It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Here's your host. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. The following is a public service announcement. Election day is near. Go to the polls and vote. Vote for the Kennedy of your choice, but vote. Radio. <laughs> For a new generation TomSumnerProgram.com TomSumnerProgram.com Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, your host. No Andrea today, but uh, that little uh, musical interlude there you just heard came to me via email from my good friend Smoking George Winters out in Davison, and uh, thanks for that. You may hear that from time to time or some variations of it um, during different elements of the show. We've got a great show in store today. We're going to break away from politics a little bit and go to the library. Um for the last couple of weeks, if you've been listening, I, I repackaged all of the interviews I did with candidates in the upcoming primary. Now it's getting down to the wire. It's time to stop evaluating and actually vote. For a lot of people, they have ballots at home. If you do have those and haven't mailed them in yet, be sure and get them mailed in before the deadline. The uh, actual voting day, if you're going to vote in person, is coming up this Tuesday. And uh, you can check with your local clerks about what polling places will and won't be open and what the uh, policies and procedures will be with regard to uh, wearing masks and safe distancing and and all of that kind of stuff. But be sure and uh, exercise your right to vote. It's real easy to get distracted by something like COVID-19 and say, oh, well, heck, I'll just skip it this time. But don't skip it this time or any other time. Always try and get in and uh, 
get your vote counted. Anyway, I mentioned we were going to do uh, we were going to go to the library today, and we really are. This first hour coming up in uh, oh, about 15 minutes or so, and we joined by an author, Mary Ellen Lucas, who is known throughout the world as a controversial, motivational speaker and stigmatic. And uh, she's going to talk about um, the relationship between uh, Jesus Christ and Mary Magdalene and whether or not they were married and about that marriage. And, and uh, anyway, I think it's going to be real interesting. She has some pretty controversial uh, ideas in, in a book called Are You Still Mine? And uh, we'll, we'll get into that more. And then, if you like... Uh, True Life Crime Drama. There is a uh, new book uh, by uh, author Gerard Capel. Now, he used to be an editor for CBS News. Um, but this is the uh, this novel is the untold story of a gruesome murder at sea and the long road to truth. It's uh, considered uh, based on the, the story of... Um, the most notorious murder in American nautical history. A uniquely grotesque triple murder for which guilt was never settled and the long journey to truth is uh, what this book is all about called Not a Gentleman's Work by Gerard Capel. He'll be joining me in the second hour of our three-hour tour. And then uh, an interview I've been waiting to play. I actually recorded it a couple of weeks ago. Um, but it was a really fun interview with mother and daughter authors. Now, they're both uh, successful in their own right, PC Cast and Kristen Cast. They both have best-selling works under their belts, but um, they have put together a series, the House of Night Otherworld series, and the fourth and final installment just came out. It's called Found. And I had a chance to talk to them, but then I, I really wanted to block in uh, uh, all of these candidate interviews we've been listening to the last couple of weeks. And uh, if you got a chance to listen to the show yesterday, I was able to uh, reprise an interview I did uh, in honor of Congressman John Lewis with one of his top aides who filled in for him in Lansing for a Martin Luther King event. And um, so I brought that interview back, and we heard a couple of more candidate interviews yesterday. But Armchair Politics will be back in its normal, regular form next Wednesday at 10 o'clock during the Tom Sumner program. And um, Dane Walling will be joining the roundtable next Wednesday. Our roundtable regulars, of course, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki and longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter, our roundtable regulars for our weekly uh, commentary and analysis about local, state, and national news, plus a few quotes, and the coveted X-Files. But while we were in uh, campaign mode this last couple weeks, uh, baseball season started. So I have a little, uh, little, since we have a few minutes before the break, I have a little send-up for baseball season. Uh-huh. 
one, Costello. No, Cabot. I understand that you're going to be the manager of the Lou Costello Jr. Youth Foundation baseball team. Yes, we just organized the thing. Oh, you did? Sure. Well, I'd like to play on the team myself. You know, I know something about baseball. Well, that would be accomplished. Well, I'd like to know some of the guys' names on the team, so when I'm in on my street or in the ballpark, I'll be able to say hello to them. Why, surely I'll introduce you to the boys. But you know, strange as it may seem, they give these ballplayers nowadays very peculiar names. You mean funny names? Nicknames, pet names, like uh, Dizzy Dean. Brother Daffy. Daffy Dean. And I'm their French cousin. French cousin? Gouffet. Gouffet. Uh, Gouffet. <laughs> well, now, let's see. We have on the bags, we have who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find out. What silly name? I say who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. Are you the manager? Yes. You know the fellow's name? Well, I should. Well, then who's on first? Yes. I mean the fellow's name. That's it. That's who? Yes. Well, go ahead and tell me. Who? The guy on first. Who? The first baseman. Who? Have you got a first baseman? Who is on first? I'm asking you who's on first. <laughs> That's the man's name. That's whose name? Yes. Now tell me who's on first. That's right. I want to know what's the guy's name on first. No, base. no, what's on second I'm base? not asking you who's on second. Who is on first? I don't know. He's on third. Now, we're not <laughs> mentioning third. Now, let's get together. How did I get on third base? You happen to mention his name. If I mention a third baseman's name, who did I face playing third no, base? No, who is playing first? I'm not asking you who's on first. Who is on first? I'm asking you what's the guy's name on third. What is on second? Who's on second? Who's on first? I don't know. He's on third. There I go, back on third again. But I can't change their name. You got a first baseman? Absolutely. When you pay him off every month, who gets the money? Every dollar of it. <laughs> Why not? The man's entitled to it. Who is? Yes. So who gets it? Sure he does. <laughs> Sometimes his wife comes down and collects it. Whose wife? Yes. <laughs> Well, all I'm trying to find out is what's the guy's name on first base? Listen, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who is on first? I don't know. Third, Third base. base. I yes. pick it up. <laughs> you got an outfield? Well, surely. The left fielder's name. Why? I just thought I'd ask. Well, I just thought I'd say. Then tell me who's playing left field. Who is playing first? Stay out of the infield. Uh, don't let your names out here. I want to know what's the left fielder's what name. What is on second? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? I don't know. Third, Third base. base. <laughs> The left fielder's name? Why? Because. Oh, he's center field. <laughs> now, you know these players as well as I do. Look, you got a pitcher on the team? Wouldn't this be a fine team without a pitcher? The pitcher's name? Uh, tomorrow. You don't want to tell me today? I'm telling you, man. Then go ahead. Tomorrow. What time? What time what? What time tomorrow you're going to tell me who's pitching? Now, listen. Who is not? I'll break your arm, you say, who's on first? Uh, I, <laughs> I want to know what's the pitcher's what's name. What's on second? I don't know. Third base. Surely. The catcher's name. Today. Today, and tomorrow's fixing. Now you've got it. Now I've got it. I don't even... Look, oh, we got us a couple of, of, of days on a team. I That's can't help that. A couple of don't days. Don't get excited now. Who's your next side Take it easy. Take it easy. You know, I'm a pretty good catcher myself. Well, tell me. Now, I'll catch today myself. Uh, I'm going right. to catch. Yes. And tomorrow's pitching on a team. Yes. Now, tomorrow throws the ball, and the guy up bunts the ball. Yes. Now, when he bunts the ball, me being a good catcher, I want to throw the guy out of first base. So I pick up the ball and throw it to who? Now, that's the first thing you've said right. I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, that's all you have to do. Get to throw the ball to first base. Yes. Now, who's got it? Naturally. <laughs> if I throw the ball to first base, somebody's got to get it. Yes. Now, who's got it? Naturally. Naturally? Naturally. Oh, so I throw the ball to naturally. Hey, you do nothing of the kind. You throw the ball to who? Naturally. That's it. That's what I said. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Did I throw the ball to naturally? But you don't. I throw it to who? Naturally. That's what I'm saying. You're not working that way. I throw the ball to who? Naturally. You ask me. You throw the ball to who? Naturally. Well, say Same it. as you. <laughs> I throw the ball to who? That's naturally. naturally. Now, whoever it is drops the ball, so the guy runs a second. Yes. Who picks up the ball and throws it to what? What throws it to I don't know. I don't know. Throws it back to tomorrow. Triple play. Yes. Another guy gets up and it's a long fly ball to be caught. Why? 
I don't know. He's on third, and I don't give a darn. What'd you say? I said, I don't give a darn. Oh, that's our shortstop. <laughs> Yeah, that was some good old-time radio from Abbott and Costello, the classic Who's on First baseball sketch. And it seems kind of weird having the baseball season start in the middle, which it kind of is doing. Uh, Basketball is supposed to get underway uh, starting today and tomorrow to start uh, putting together uh, what teams are going to play and when and all of that. We'll start start hearing more about that in the days to come. It's... uh, it's a very different time, folks, a very different uh, different summer. Uh, starting a new regular feature, you know, we used to have uh, live music every Friday. And now with uh, doing the show from my, my bunker at home, uh, we don't really have the room, even, even for small acoustic uh, offerings like we used to do in our studio. But we are going to continue to focus on live music every Friday. We'll have some new music, and we'll talk about what's going on with musicians uh, during the pandemic. Some are managing to get out and play some gigs. Some clubs or bars and restaurants are opening up a little bit and they're having some entertainment. Uh, Some musical acts are figuring out ways to, you know, set up in the field and get a few people uh, together and play. Some are figuring out ways to do performances online. But we're going to talk about all of that and and the music that people are making, uh, you know, because they have the equipment to do it at home and what kinds of things they're man- they're able to get done uh, during this time and how they're going about getting their music out to people and you know whether or not they're able to make any money doing it. That's an important part of it. So we'll talk about all of those things uh, tomorrow. My musical guest is. Um, Raphael Banks, he's been on the show many times with Raphael Banks and Friends. He has a new EP out, and we're going to hear new music from Raphael, and we're going to talk with Raphael a little bit. That's coming up on uh, on tomorrow's show, so be sure and uh, tune in for that at 11 o'clock tomorrow. Music with uh, Raphael Banks. And uh, then we've got, we'll have more music each and every Friday. I'm calling it Bandemic. Um, where we focus on music during the uh, during the pandemic, and uh, we'll continue to focus on and appreciate the large and deep talent pool in uh, Flint and the surrounding area. In the meantime, we're going to take a short break. When I come back, we're going to get into uh, a little controversy about religion. We've been in politics for a couple of weeks, and now it's time to shift gears, and we'll we'll talk with. Uh, Mary Ellen Lucas coming up right after uh, right after this. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-Double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. 
All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. A social distancing tip. Putting distance between yourself and others is critical to slowing the spread of coronavirus. So here are ways to stay in contact without the physical contact part. Call, send a text, set up a video conference, post on social media, dedicate a song on the radio. If you have symptoms of fever, dry cough, and shortness of breath, call your health care provider before going to their office. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part, because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by America, the Council. your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Your calls matter. Join me and Andrea weekdays from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern to talk about whatever you want to talk about. The Tom Sumner Program has open phone lines Monday through Friday to hear from you. How's 2020 working out for you so far? How about those damn roads? Call in live at 810-339-8255. It's all about you. We'll be streaming live at TomSumnerProgram.com and simulcast on WFOV 92.1 FM in Flint. Foil hats are optional. Lady of the house, please. You thought you had every Elvis record made, but wait, Elvis sings again, this time from heaven. That's right, Elvis from heaven. Yes, hear Elvis from Graceland in the Sky. Soul-stirring versions of epic proportions. You'll hear Elvis crooning, early gate rock. All dug up. Lying in the chapel and 11 others. This record also includes a special Elvis message. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Elvis Presley. Order before midnight tonight and receive this Elvis Presley commemorative casket keychain. Open it up. Yes. The king inside. A must for any Elvis fan. Order yours today. To order your Elvis from Heaven, send $9.95 in check or money order to Elvis from Heaven, P.O. Box 714, Cleo, Michigan, 44487. Or save COD charges and phone 555-5554. Use Master Charge or Visa, Canadian residence, add $3. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology. Engineering and IT services at swiftland.technology. This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. This uh, is the Tom Sumner Program, and as you know, the last couple of weeks we've been talking about, well, we've been talking with candidates in next Tuesday's uh, August primary, locally and uh, throughout the state, and... um, 
You know, a lot of times we, of course, we do our weekly uh, political roundtable, Armchair Politics, and uh, things can become a little contentious sometimes. And uh, we're going to shift gears and talk about something else, but it has potential to become a little contentious too. And that is uh, turning our attention to religion and as it's being talked about and explored in a new book by author Mary Ellen Lucas. It's called Are You Still Mine? And uh, Mary Ellen joins me by phone. Mary Ellen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tom. Um, now, in this book, and and I was looking at some material. There's there's a lot more to the book than just um, uh, it, it's not a novel. Let's put it that way. How would you describe the book? Are you still mine? I would describe it as. Um, being complete and helping people to understand where they are with God, how to get closer to God, and the backstory behind the, the purpose of Jesus coming in the first place, where we're headed. So it's a guide. I would say it's a transcendental guide, Tom, something that we've lost over the years. And, and, you, um, and you maintain in the book that... Um that a Jesus was a person of color and two mm-hmm. that he and Mary Magdalene were in fact married and that she was um not the prostitute that she's been lord about throughout the history of Christianity That's right Tom With regards to Jesus being a man of color I think uh, it's a commonplace theory that uh, growing up that Jesus was white. Uh, well, when you think about it, Tom, he's from the Mideast. He's from, uh, he's a Mideastern man. So his color, the color of his skin, was primarily of uh, olive in nature, which darkened or lightened, but basically not white. And, and, and of course, that's largely a result of illustrators and publishers of religious material throughout history. I think so, because um, for the longest time, when you think about it, uh, people automatically presumed that Jesus was white because of the art, because of what they had learned, and because of um, a small percentage of colored people being a part of these uh, stories, part of the written history, um, not maybe intentional, but just not maybe used as they should have been. Well, as we like to, to think of ourselves as being made in God's image, it would seem mm-hmm. only natural to reciprocate. Yes, well, with God's image, okay, when you're talking about God, you have to remember that if Jesus appeared to um, an Asian culture, he would look Asian. If he appeared to a black culture, he would be black. He's going to relate to the people. He's, uh, today, that's what I mean is today. Back in the day when he was in uh, his own land and the person of Jesus that we're talking about at the moment, he would appear to be Mid-Eastern. Gotcha. I think what it, what I mean by that is that Jesus is uh, not a religion. He's not just a culture uh, today, Tom, as you would have expected back then. 
but it would have been uh, more of a, um, I lost my train of thought here for a moment. Uh, today, he's not a religion, in other words. He's not a religion. He's God, and uh, that's what most Christians, of course, believe that. He came to save us. So we're going to look at Jesus from our own perspective. In other words, if you showed me a picture of the Jesus that's your favorite, Tom, um, I would be wrong in saying, no, he doesn't look like that. Or if another showed me a picture and said, no, this is how I see Jesus, well, naturally, that's how they would see him. Why was it important for religious leaders to um, cast Mary Magdalene as a prostitute? Back in the day, Tom, uh, women had very little, if any, rights at all. They were more of a possession. Uh, Jesus bringing Mary Magdalene to the picture was extremely, extremely uh, feminist by our version today. Uh, to keep her low-key, to keep her, uh, her role uh, of being important to such a low level would have to take something very drastic because I think people were asking a lot of questions at the time, well, where is Mary Magdalene? And the story about the, all the different Marys in the Old Testament seemed to all still come back to her. So in order to give her any role of importance, I think it was necessary for them to play it down. And one way to do that was uh, to make her a prostitute. And an image of, of uh, potential salvation by Christ. Uh, you know, Tom, um, that's the other consensus that, you know, she became this woman, okay, that was, he was the first redeemer, her first, the first savior to Mary Magdalene. But I don't know if I agree with that either, because at the time, there was a, a tremendous amount of stories about her because she was uh, with Jesus and wasn't accepted um, often by a few of his own apostles. So in order to um, elaborate on that, I'd have to go back to the story where she was attacked. And a woman attacked back then made her a sinner. Uh, her role as Mary Magdalene, um, as we know her today, was emphasized greatly when Jesus married her, uh, taking her out of the stigma of being a sinner, a big sinner, and making her unequal to himself and um, making her, of course, his wife. A lot of people at the time still didn't like the fact that she was his wife, and uh, stories would circulate because any woman, whether uh, found in a situation of adultery, or a woman that was attacked made no difference in the explanation of uh, the type of woman she was. So being attacked, okay, as she was, and that was in saving her sister, um, Mary's reputation followed her among those uh, men who did not like to see women as equals, who did not want women following Jesus and having their own um, equality, so to speak. Given that that, that position Happened. that women held at that time, uh -huh. how is it that, that the Catholic religion evolved with the um, Mother Mary so, so high in their esteem? The Catholic Church had to bring some... Um, feminine qualities into the church. He, they had to 
uh, bring a role of a woman there. And since Mary Magdalene could not be that woman because of being married to Jesus, they found another option, which is, of course, the mother of God. But uh, being the mother of God and the, the comments, or I should say the definition as being great as, or, or as great as, if not greater than um, the role of mother of God as she's queen of the universe, or other such um, defining characteristics. I think it was because it was a patriarchal religion and because they had to have representation of a, a woman that uh, the Blessed Mother or Jesus' mother um, was the safest way to go, the safest path to take. How do you go about researching these things inside and outside the Bible? How much is there besides what's, uh, what's been handed down in various incarnations of the Bible? Well, Tom, that's a very good question because there's so many of uh, what we would call Gnostic Gospels that were written at the time which people were forbidden to read, as well as papers and manuscripts that were all on the list of books and papers that were forbidden uh, under the guise that it would take away from the sanctity or the reverence or the sacredness of Jesus. So a lot of these things were put... Um, on this list, and the, the Catholic uh, leaders, actually, religious leaders, were determined to keep people from reading them. But people have uh, an innate, not only curiosity, but a knowledge, a gnosis, in other words, that brings out this question, this persistent memory that won't quit, that if everything, okay, was according to what the Catholic faith taught, well, why is there such unrest? Why do people pull away and feel that they could love Jesus on their own? Um, the patriarchal religions have definitely um, paved the way for these types of questions. So even with the Catholic Church saying they're the true faith, where does that leave everyone else in, in the question of equality, in the questions of you know, who this person of Jesus really was, what did he really teach? Because all we had for over 2,000 years was the teachings of the Catholic Church, and a lot of people were not very satisfied with that. So yes, there are papers, there are books, there are manuscripts, uh, there are what is called um, knowledge from mystery schools that all point to a very different image of Jesus and his life. But there are ways to cross-check the references in the Bible. Absolutely, yes. Because I've, so I've read about some of those things, and, um, and, and I find that interesting, trying to find a, uh, a, 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 oh, a generic uh, history or record um, apart from the Bible of Christ's when, existence. When Yes, when you, yeah, absolutely, and every Easter we see the same as the historical Jesus, the same as the Jesus um, that are, is written about or the, uh, is, who is believed in. But you have to understand, too, when you're doing something uh, like this, like this book, you do cross-check. You have to fill in blanks and say, does this make sense? Because if it doesn't make sense, it can't be true. So you cross-check and cross-check, you throw the answers out there, you listen to the people and their questions, and you find 
that deep within everyone's heart, there's a spirituality that can't be beat. And that's, a, again, a falls under persistent memory. So you have to take that into consideration when you're putting something like this together. So that when you're reading scriptures and they insert this passage, does this make sense for that time, for all times? And is it answering the question that's about the Jesus that people really want or have a feeling they know already without the Catholic uh, faith telling them what to believe? How reliable are the, uh, the periodicals about Christ and his life, including the Bible? It's like anything else. When you read it, okay, you have to read all these things with a grain of salt, again, to make sure that these things work. Um, even as uh, Cardinal Dolan mentioned, the uh, Bible has flaws. The characters in the Bible has, have flaws. It was written by people, and we're told it was they were inspired to write this. But they're still writing it under a human consciousness. And so how reliable are they? It's like anything else. You have to search deep. You have to look deeply into what's written and ask yourself, really, is this possible? Does this work? Because, Tom, if it doesn't work, you'll know it right up front. Now, that's not saying the very first article that you read, okay, you can say, no, I don't believe this, I don't believe it. has nothing to do with belief. It has everything to do with does it work? in the plan of God's salvation. But then there's the, the divine catch-22. It, it doesn't have to work by the laws of, of nature because it could be considered a miracle or, you know, God can Absolutely. do anything. Absolutely, Tom. And I'm a, uh, I'm a big believer in miracles. <laughs> Just the fact that I have this book out there is a miracle. It took four years to do it. Um, <laughs> but a lifetime to learn it. And yes, there are such things as miracles. We see them happen every day. We see them on every possible level of uh, how we live our daily lives. I mean, you yourself, I'm sure, has had miracles that you can't explain things, but you know God was there, and this, this divine character has to be present in our lives. So yes, not only those are that are recorded, uh, but yes, daily, yes, daily miracles of, of people that you see, people that you have uh, learned about and in your own personal life, that is a big factor. So how, how can people look at religion and determine either in groups or individually what's fact and, and what to take on faith? Well, I believe, Tom, is that everyone deep inside knows what they need. Now, according to God's plan, we are all individuals, but we are all children of God. And what that means is that when you come together as a group, God, of course, is nonviolent, okay? He is not uh, the type of person uh, that would fear us to do bad. First, everything has to be grounded in good. Everything has to be grounded in what is equal for all people, for all people. Because we cannot segregate when it comes to God. We can't say, well, this group uh, is under God. This group is, you know, fighting for God. This group is hurting because they don't feel that they were even recognized by God. So it's important as a group to get together what is for the betterment of all. 
where, who is hurting, who is not feeling as they're part of anything that has to do with God. As far as faith um, and uh, spirituality, each person, as I said, inside, I believe people are good, Tom. I believe that deep inside, the people who have never even stepped foot into a church or quit going to church or, you know, they say, I don't pray, deep inside, they still know what they need, and they know in some strange, very um, maybe not important to someone else way that God loves them. And if they could only connect to one thing about God, maybe, uh, as I said in the book, uh, in a terrible or tragic situation, God is the one they cling to because they know they're, uh, of all people, you know, God is not going to forget about them. Well, they say there are no atheists in foxholes. I believe that. I, I <laughs> met an atheist. Before. I, Tom, I met an atheist. I, I'm sure I met many during my talk. But at one point in time, I, I was at a gathering, and this man insisted that he was an atheist. Tom, he followed me around for an hour and a half, and I turned around. And I said, well, if you're an atheist, I don't know what I am, because you talk more about God than I have in the last hour and a half. How could you possibly be an atheist? So, you know, people, I think what they do, Tom, is they they want so badly to have a sign. They want so badly to be recognized that even being um, in the middle of situations that uh, of violence and, and um, things like that, where people actually inside themselves, in their heart, are crying out to God in some way for God to turn around and say, I got this, or... You know, I'm here and in, a, in an effort to get him to act, get God to act. There is um, a, a very noticeable difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Absolutely. Old Testament, it, it's very eye for an eye. In the New Testament, you have literally the symbol of it, Jesus himself, um, in, in the stories laying down his life for other people's sins. Two very okay. different messages. Was that shift from one to the other God-made or man-made? Yeah. Well, I think it was God-made because, again, God is not violent. Maybe there is courses of action and words that needed to take place to, to bring along an awakening, Tom. However, when Jesus came, you have to realize, I guess, or I'd like people to realize that what Jesus was doing was, yes, he knew the law, but he was explaining the law. He was living the law. And he was showing the, at that fullness of time that love is what is needed uh, and that he had to be the example and the fulfillment of that. So the Old Testament had its stories and had its basis. However, Jesus did change everything when he came because it was time to change these things. It was necessary it makes makes me wonder um you know we we tell the story that Jesus was sent by God to spread a new message uh -huh. did is that evidence that God changed his mind or just the message I don't think um it was that God changed uh his mind I think what happened was you have to realize and if from uh Catholics especially that uh, Jesus is God, and uh, in order to get man to understand, or humanity pre preferably used, 
to understand what God uh, really is and what God really is, which is love, that Jesus was, in a sense, okay, here, brought here, sent here, or or agreed to come here to help people better understand what we got wrong. What did we get wrong in a sense that violence was so prevalent? What did we get wrong? And also, it was the fullness of time. Many people had a greater understanding of what they didn't want God to be. They didn't want God to be punishing. They didn't want that uh, fire and brimstone. They needed to be brought back, in a sense. And that's the way Jesus decided to do this. The spirituality, yes, was very different from the Old Testament, but I believe it was time. In order to fulfill the promise that he gave to Adam and Eve, uh, it was time now to set the path and the way back to God. Uh, but again, it, it, it sort of raises the question for me that in the Old Testament, the, God was a very, uh, f- uh, something to be feared. And That's right. And, I, and, that, and that changed dramatically with the New, the new Testament. And, and it's, um, I think, go ahead. Yeah. No, I think, yes, that a lot was left into the hands of humanity. And, you know, in, we're not perfect, and we see things differently. And I think we were going too far off in the wrong direction that it took God again to intervene and say, okay, we have to do this this way. You're getting it wrong. I think even throughout the centuries we have seen that, where man and himself has gone off on a, a, a tangent in the wrong direction. We stop hearing, we stop listening, and something must be done uh, at the cries of the people. Don't forget that in the Old Testament, the people cried out for the Messiah uh, for many reasons. And one of them is to help us because things are going so far wrong, we can't come back on our own. And I think that's what happened when Jesus came. People were experiencing things in a very chaotic world, and it was necessary for God, again, to intervene at the prayers and the cries of the people to do something. And I think that's what's happening today. Well, I, um, I've often said that the, uh, the two uh, historical documents that are most often uh, misquoted and abused are the Bible and the American Constitution. But um, I, I, I need to take a short break here, um, Mary Ellen. Can you stick around for just a few minutes and we'll dig down some more? Absolutely, Tom. I'll be here. Okay. My guest is Mary Ellen Lucas. The book is Are You Still Mine? It uh, presents a whole new perspective in Bree's life into the marriage of Jesus and his wife, Mary Magdalene. And uh, uh, recasts um, Christ himself a little differently than some of the images you may be used to seeing. We'll uh, talk more about that with Mary Ellen right after this uh, this short break. We're going to let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in edgewise. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. 
Hi, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long-format interviews with New York Times best-selling author photographers and writers from National Geographic, as well as artists, musicians, candidates, and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Thank you, and thank you all for tuning in. You know, we know that tough times don't last, but tough people do. We've been through a lot here in Michigan. We've been through crisis before, where the country needed their countrymen and countrywomen to pitch in collectively to get through a crisis and rise to the occasion. Michigan once was the arsenal of democracy to win World War II. We need that same spirit now. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals and first responders to stop the spread and to save lives. But we need your help too. The state has launched a new volunteer website at www.michigan.gov forward slash fight COVID-19 where trained medical professionals can register to serve their fellow Michiganders by assisting hospitals in fighting COVID-19. State residents can also use the site to find out how they can help in their local communities by giving blood or donating resources or needed medical supplies. Whether you're a medical professional looking to volunteer or you're someone who can give blood or donate to your local food bank, everyone can help out. To get through this, we must all do our part. Stay home, stay safe, and save lives. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed, a magical place with magical charms, indoors, indoors, indoors. 
Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. My guest this hour is uh, religious historian Mary Ellen Lucas, talking about her new book, Are You Still Mine? Mary Ellen, uh, welcome back, and thanks for sticking around. Well, thank you, Tom. Um, I wouldn't consider myself a historian by the definition that the world would use, but yes, in a knowledge of Jesus, I would say, I'm not too bad at it. Well, and that's kind of what we were talking about a little bit uh, before the break, talking about um, the the history as portrayed in the Bible, where yeah. there's, you know, kind of one version of God and his relationship with people, and then the New Testament, which which creates a whole new image of of God and his relationship with people. I, I mean, that I can't think of a better way to put well, it, I, but... Tom, I, I wonder, though, if we're not confusing, or if people are not confusing the leaders of a religion with the people of a religion. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you said that, because um, that's what I was, I was considering that during the break, that, you know, so much of the Bible is people trying to record what they were witnessing. You know, exactly. we, we see that, you know, certainly in the Gospels, but even in the Old Testament, it's it's people trying to come to terms with it. And sometimes I wonder if the whole advent of Christ wasn't about uh, creating misperceptions that God was to be feared. You know, the, the Ten Commandments weren't break these and I will smite you. It was, this is a guide, a way to behave. Exactly. And I think that's the misconception of so many uh, religions of the time, like recent times, over 2,000 years, where you didn't want to fear God. You, uh, when Jesus came, he said God was our Father. And he opened a path to God that was unlike any, unprecedented in it, as much as God loved the people, his people. And I think what happens is that uh, over time, people automatically begin to measure uh, all the information against what they have been experiencing. And in the Old Testament, they experienced a lot of fear, Tom. And in the New Testament, uh, that's why Jesus reigned so high in the minds of so many of the people, because he came differently. He didn't come to punish. He came to talk about how to love each other, the how to love God, and also how to bring that love down to each neighbor. When Jesus taught, he didn't teach only a certain group of people. He included everyone, including women and children. And at the time, that's where Mary Magdalene proved to be very valuable to Jesus, whereas she was up front and center with Jesus all the time, something that was unheard of, something that Jesus said, it doesn't matter what gender, it doesn't matter uh, what culture you belong to, doesn't matter what color or race you are or what creed, come and listen to me speak. So that in itself was a very defining moment for Jesus in the New Testament. And what we have always been told was that, you know, love as Jesus loved. However, if we keep going backwards and watching what was done in the Old Testament, we're not going to move forward and become better people and live the way Jesus intended for us to live. We see things as he saw things. 
And I think that's where we have to stop and say, wait a second, okay, uh, even in this life, we, we experience a lot of very bad events taking place, but where are we? Are we going to keep going back and rehashing that, or are we going to come forward and, and greet everyone as one nation, one world, uh, as God intended it to be? What constitutes—well, let me, let me put this in context first. Um, it seems to me, at least in the United States, that um, a lot of people are turning away from the church, whether it's right. the Catholic Church or other Christian denominations. Uh, right. are, are, they, are they turning away from God? And what does that do to faith, discipline, devotion, etc.? Well, right now, I think, uh, uh, as an author writing this book, people have turned away from the established religions because they were disappointed. They were disappointed in the direction they were being led. Uh, discrimination and prejudice, you know, was predominant in established religions, telling you, you know, what is right, what is wrong, in as much as you're looking at people. Um, who did God exclude? Who did Jesus exclude? He never excluded anyone. And in, in, in every event, Jesus made it clear that everyone was loved by God. A lot of these established religions tore that apart. And um, in introducing also the scandals of most religions, I think people who look to the Catholic Church as being the conscience of the world suddenly say, wait a second, you're condemning me and you're hiding this. Or in Christian religions, you know, uh, when uh, a denomination would say, or you're excluded because you are an abomination to God, people decide, wait a second, I don't feel like that when in my circle of friends or in my life. I like everybody. I have all kinds of friends, and even relatives are of a different color and different race. I can't abide by these things. That doesn't sound like something that a religion should be introducing. Um, in a sense, okay, there's so many other ways. Uh, spirituality is important. Let me preface that. Spirituality is important. And what's important is that you said, take the Ten Commandments. Take the Ten Commandments and take a good look at them. Because I don't think people really realize what they're saying. They're putting, of course, God first and love of neighbor. Jesus took the Ten Commandments, Tom, and he divided them into two great commandments. Love God with all you have and love your neighbor as yourself. He took those Ten Commandments, Tom, that people could twist like the Constitution to make it say whatever you wanted to say. But when you boil it down to that, it makes the picture very clear. My guest is Mary Ellen Lucas, the author of Are You Still Mine? that explores uh, uh, the, the life and marriage of Jesus Christ and Mary Magdalene, among many, many other things. As she said, it's a kind of a guide, a uh, guide to spirituality. Um, Mary Ellen, we're just about out of time, but I always want to give guests an opportunity to let people know where they can dig down more on what we've been talking about. Obviously, your book is a great, uh, a great tool, but do you have a website? Yes, I do, Tom. And it is, uh, I actually I have two. I have one for our religion, and I have one for 
myself as an author, and it's Mary Ellen Lucas at, I'm looking at, dot com, I'm sorry, Mary Ellen Lucas dot com. I have Margaret writing this down because I don't go into my website. <laughs> and I, I, that same I, thing I, I happens to me when I try to give my phone number. <laughs> I know, isn't that awful? And, or if you have uh, names attached to phone numbers and you have no clue when you don't have your phone what the phone number is to that person. So Margaret wrote down that it's maryellenlucas.com or eastinchurch.org. I didn't even know that. Well, Mary Ellen Lucas, it has been a real uh, honor and a privilege to talk with you. Thanks so much for spending this time with me this morning. Oh, Tom, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I hope I... I uh, hope to answer some questions that even you had. Well, I think I think you did. Thank you. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye bye. Coming up next, we're uh, going to be talking with uh, author Gerard Capel. His new book, "Not a Gentleman's Work," is uh, the untold story of a gruesome murder at sea, and it's based on a true story. But we'll get into all of that with him coming up in just a few minutes. show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here.